Welcome to episode 23 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. Apologies for the infrequency of the podcasts at times, but as I've stated previously, when I record the interviews, I will try and upload them as quickly as possible. The football season slows me down somewhat, but I will always endeavour to upload an interview every couple of weeks or so. On another note, I was fortunate enough to be approached by Football Nation Radio, or FNR, a couple of weeks ago. I have now been lucky enough for this podcast to be broadcast on their station on Monday nights at 7pm. Thanks to David at FNR and the rest of the FNR team who have given this podcast a go. Hopefully it goes well, as one of the objectives of this podcast was to document people's history and share our rich soccer slash football history in the region. You never know where your interviews will end up, and in this episode it was no different. This episode's interviewee had a remarkable football career, which started in Blackburn, England. In his teens, which was in the 1940s, he played with his school, St Albans, and the Banger Boys Club. It was here he started playing in representative teams as part of the National Association of Boys Clubs, culminating in his selection for the England Boys Clubs team. In the late 1940s and most of the 1950s, Wilf Billington played professionally with Rochdale, Blackburn, Workington and Oxford. He then came out to Australia and played for Balgownie, South Coast United and had a very brief stint with Melbourne Hellas. Wilf is in his late 80s now, but still has a very good memory. He recalls different bits and pieces about his professional career, including being managed by Bill Shankly while at Workington. There is some material that comes out of left field, such as the new movie about the Manchester City German goalkeeper, The Suez Canal, skiing in Cyprus, Mount Trudos, and the Beatles tour in Australia. A big thanks and respect to Wilf for doing the interview and his son Sean who organised this interview. Thanks to all the listeners of this podcast and the supporters of the social media pages. It is greatly appreciated. Please note there is some slight profanity in this interview, not enough to warrant an explicit rating but for the people who need this information, I have supplied it. So once again, please enjoy this interview. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I'm here in the, the beautiful suburb of Taraji with Wilf Billington and his son Sean. Wilf and, and Sean, thank you for allowing me into your home. Greatly appreciated. So, Wilf, uh, you were, um, and I might not get this entirely correct, the internet doesn't give me too much information, but you were born um, near Blackburn in, in England, Blackburn. in Blackburn itself. Yeah. And um, in an article, I think, which was from the Lancashire Telegraph, um, from over eight or nine years ago, um, it, it said that you were 
grew up on Coniston Road in Blackburn, is that correct? That's right, yeah. Grew up there. Where did, you, where did you get that from? The Lancashire Telegraph. <laughs> the, the interview you did with them. I think um, you were... They must have rang you up for something, being a, a former Blackburn player. Do you remember... Um, you went to St Albans School as well, yeah. Um, and and then yourself and your friends used to hang out at Bangor Street Youth Club. Yeah, Bangor Bangor Street Youth Club. It was Bangor Street was a, a school. Oh, okay. But they they uh, formed a, a youth club under sixteen. Okay. Bangor Boys, it was called. Yeah. And so, is that your? What are your first memories of football? Uh, well, playing for St Albans. Yep. Uh, to, I was a centre half there. I played all the three. There was junior. Yep. And then you went to the highest school. You, there was three grades there. So I played centre half in all of those. And some of the boys in the in the uh, top class had a team in the local youth league. Yep, and and the goalkeeper got injured, and there was no goalkeeper, so I said I'll play for it. And uh, so we played in the it was under sixteen competition, and we were all fourteen. And we used to get beat twenty nothing every bloody week. It was just because of the age different and, and difference yeah, in sizes. And uh, so that's how I became a goalkeeper, getting beat twenty nothing every week. So. Um, Maybe uh, your career would have been different if that if that other yeah, other boy hadn't been yeah, injured. You would have right, yeah. stayed I'd, at centre half. Had go on centre half, yeah. So that uh, when you're playing for St Albans, is is that when you uh, represented England at no, schoolboys no. level? How no, did how no, did that come about? No, I, um, I was, as I got older, I was playing in the for Bangor Street in the under sixteen competition. Yep. And I was picked for the England Boys Clubs Association. And uh, we played, played the ACT, uh, Army Cadet Corps. Okay. Represented. And the Air Force Cadet Corps. And uh, but that was the under 16. So uh, when you were, uh, I guess, playing with friends and, and mates and and then you get selected for this English schoolboys team. Um, it must have been a great feeling. Oh yeah, yeah. it was. It wasn't English. It was all in. It was under sixteen. Ah, okay. I was playing for Lancashire FA as well, under sixteen, and uh, the England boys clubs under sixteen. So your goalkeeping must have developed in that short well, space of time. Of, I got plenty of practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I played for one team. In that under sixteen competition, that when I was at Tech, I played for them, and we never had a full team because we, we often played with nine men. Ridiculous it was, but still, it was practice all the time. And when you started um, playing with these representative teams, did you then um, have in your mind uh, that you may play? Um, semi or professional football? Oh, well, that was always the, uh, but the local team, Blackburn Rovers, none of us wanted to play for them. And why is that? Because 
they, they didn't treat the local boys well. If you were picked in the A team, yep. and a bloke came from Scotland, for the, they'd drop you and play him instead, because he was on trial. For, and I never wanted to play for Batman Rovers. So who was, uh, so, did, did you have a team that you followed growing well, up? or No, just Blackburn Rovers I followed, but uh, I was at work one day and they, they, I served my time as a apprentice fitter. Yep. And the manager came up with this bloke and he introduced me. And he was the director of Rochdale. Okay. And uh, a, a suburb of Greater Manchester yeah, as well? Yeah, in the third division. Yep. And... He fixed me up to play for them, for okay. Rochdale. And so I played oh, a season with Rochdale. So how old were you? 15, 16. Well, that's when I, I was being playing these representative Those games. Those other representative games. And then the, 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 that local newspaper got onto it that look. Blackburn Rovers were losing local talent because I, and I hadn't signed, you know, players like me weren't signing for Blackburn Rovers. Yep. I was playing well for Rochdale Reserves yep. and playing for the, the representative game. So they had this article and thing, and I came home from work one day and this bloke sat in the house and he was from Blackburn Rovers but not officially. Okay. Because if they couldn't approach me. Because of your age? No, because I was, I was already with Rochdale. So, he, but his intention was to get me to sign for Batman Rovers. And I came over about half past five, and 11 o'clock night to get rid of him, I said, OK, I'd, I'd sign for Batman. So that went, went ahead. The manager at Rochdale said I was a fool, which I was actually. And he said, yeah. But he got two players in to give him two. As part of that transfer. So me going there, which I unofficially because I, I was only amateur. And I, at that stage, I wasn't old enough to sign professional. 17 was the age to sign professional. So I finished up Blackburn. So um, that's around sort of 47, is it around there? Uh, Mid 40s? Just yeah, after the Second World War? Yeah. yeah. And they, were in this, they just got relegated in the Second Division. They were, and so I was playing part time for in the A team, a third team, at Blackburn. And I just I, I made the reserve grade when I got called up for my national service. Okay. Which was uh, took me eighteen hours to get to the camp from from Blackburn. It's about northeast Scotland. It was. So there was difficulty getting up, getting away to play. Yep. If I'd gone to in the infantry, East Lancashire Regiment, I'd have been at Preston, I could have played it every weekend. It was a lot closer. But uh, I was way up in Scotland. And then the trouble started in, in um, Egypt. And they gave us 24 hours leave and then whipped us off to Libya. And we were in, in Libya, then we moved to Cyprus, and then we moved to uh, Egypt, into the zone. And by that time, about two years had gone, and I was back home then. But I was forced to goalkeeper when I got back. 
So you you'd missed so, two years of yeah, developing, yeah. proving yourself, yeah. and and obviously playing, yeah, well, and getting I that experience. During that time, the the first team goalkeeper, Blackman Johnny Patterson, got injured, so I had to reserve. I would have taken his spot, but I wasn't there anyway. But they bought Red Jelvy from Bolton, yep. who played 190 odd games, consecutive, never lost, never missed a bloody match. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so um, national service and and um, sort just of conspired to you. Uh, yeah, it was just. Um, it was just, just unlucky what, in that just sense. Fair, right, really, right. So, did you? Um, was there a chance when you're doing your national service um, overseas to get a bit of recreation in, or was pretty much just well, the only recreation I had was in Cyprus. <laughs> Played a bit of soccer in Cyprus, and, but uh, I learned to ski in Cyprus of all places. Oh wow! Was uh, the Mount Trudos was a big ski camp, ski area, and we we used to be sent up there, and we'd stay up there, and we'd clear the snow. We'd had the bulldozer out and, and clear the snow on the road and then come back by lunchtime and then after lunch we'd, we could go skiing. <laughs> but, I mean, you didn't get any lessons, you just got the skiing. Self-taught. But if you went there from leave from the army, they had ski t- teachers to show, you know. <laughs> but we, we, we skiing in Cyprus, which, you, you know, stacks of snow, you wouldn't think so. I wouldn't have picked uh, uh, when I came here today that we'd be talking about skiing in Cyprus. Yeah. So um, oh, it's a big ski. you learn something Trudus. every day. Trudus, Mount Trudus, a big ski resort. It was, I don't know what it's like now. It probably then, then, it, then we went to Egypt, and Egypt was uh, having trouble with NASA then. Yeah. Um, the zone was a, the canal zone was where we were, and the Egyptians were trying to get rid of it. And... Uh, so you were part of, uh, you know, one of the uh, big uh, political, um, political sort of ructions or sort of. Well, there was a, it was the, of the nineteen fifties. The, the, the Egyptians were disrupting the traffic in the in the canal, and uh, that caused the army to move in. But later on, well, after I left, and they invaded. Okay, so you were before that, but, before that, but yeah. even then it was building no, yeah, up to you that. Couldn't, you, couldn't, uh, you couldn't afford to walk around on your own. <laughs> so when you, you came back from, from Egypt, um, were you then a professional footballer? I went to Black, and then I signed full-time for Blackburn. Signed full-time for Blackburn? Uh, yeah. So did your parents um, at the time think that... Um, had you finished your trade as a fitter? Yeah. So you were qualified, so you could go back to that if yeah, but football... Yeah, I did, I did had, go back to it when I came to Australia. You did? Okay. So but, you always had that in your back yeah, pocket yeah. if football didn't go well. So your parents were pretty supportive of oh, you playing yeah, professional yeah. football? Oh, my dad was Blackburn Rovers mad. <laughs> he had a bloody blue and white bloody shirt in his head. <laughs> And what about yourself? You were obviously a, a Blackburn fan as well, would you? Well, I was at start with. <laughs> <laughs> but would, you, would I, you go with him to watch the football? When, we were, when I was a kid, yeah. yeah. But he played 
still he was till about 1937. He broke his leg and he finished playing. He's only playing local. Yep. He was, he was one. He could have had a career in soccer, yep. but he was in the f army at, at uh, 16 years old in France during the first war. Yep. And when he came home after, in 1919, 19, well, he, he didn't want to do the He wanted to enjoy himself. You know? Yep. And he, he he could have gone to the Rovers, but he never he never did. He stayed played for the local. His local works team until the 1937. And and what about yourself? Um, like you said, you you'd been to Rochdale, you'd been to Blackburn a little bit before your national service, but when you came back as a full-time professional, um, were you pretty excited about this opportunity and oh, and, well, and, was, and being a professional footballer? Yeah, yeah. it was something. You know you. You looked at you were somebody in town, you know. Yep. Especially amongst the girls, and know. <laughs> but uh, it was just that I, mean, I was what, what five more years with Blackburn. Then. And so you never played in the first team. No. But um, continually years at Blackburn, never played in the first team. Continually played. Reserve football. Reserve and, and third grade. Yep. And, and do you remember any of the the sort of managers you had or, or coaches or other players that you played with? I played with a, oh, I played with a lot of them. Uh, the managers, first manager was a bloke called Besto. He was uh, international before the war for Grimsby. Yep. And funny story about him, but he, one of it, there was a, one of the mates, Brian Douglas. He lived across the road from the ground, and he was always in the ground. And he wanted to, he wasn't a bad player, and he wanted to play. He wanted Rovers to sign him, and Bestall said, no, you're too small. And he said, I'm taller than you. He, <laughs> said, he said, well, if you're taller than me, I'll sign you. And um, so they made, and he was half an inch taller than Bestall. So he signed him. And I don't know, he's at the institution at Blackman now, Brian Douglas. He played for England umpteen times. Yep. He's, he's coached after it, and he was, when we were there, he was there when we were there. He was still, I think he's still there because I haven't seen where he's best. But best old said, I'll sign you if you're taller than me. <laughs> and that's how he got a bloody million dollar player. Maybe I would have been half a chance, and <laughs> even though this is an audio format, um, I'm uh, sat between uh, two uh, very tall men, and um, I'm very short. So, it's the size of the heart, it's the fight in the dog, you know. That's what I keep telling myself each morning in the mirror, Wilf. When um, you get to near the end of your your time at Blackburn. Um, was it because you weren't playing first team football that you then moved well, they on? They got rid of me. Or they got. Oh, they, they did. I mean, that was surplus to requirements. Then. And so then, did you, did you just then thinking that you were going to go back to being a fitter, or did did another club come in? Or well, there was a couple of clubs come. Kings uh, Lynn, which was in the Southern Division. Yep. They wanted me. There was an ex Blackburn Rovers uh, manager. 
who knew me, see, so you. Yep. But unfortunately, Bill Shankly came along. Okay, and I think most of us. No, Bill Shankly. I've only got fifty to a hundred listeners, but even but even they people they would those people would know who he is. But this is before he went to Liverpool. Of course. Yep. He's, he was manager at Workington. So he came along and, and signed me. On the advice, no, I don't think he really uh, think, but he took me on the advice of an old, a friend. Yep. So I went up there to Workington. I was there five years at Workington. So Workington, um, in relation to Blackburn, I don't know my uh, UK geography that well. Is that further north? Oh yeah. So it's the Solway first. You know the Solway first. Yep. It's on the. So we're first across the first Scotland. Ah, okay. And uh, it's it's it was like going to uh, another century when I got there. You know, <laughs> it was isolated. Then the harbour was a Roman harbour built by the Roman. Wow. I don't think it changed much since the bloody Roman. <laughs> so Workington at that point were in the third division, third division north. North, north yeah. Because at that time. That was the lowest division, but it was split into two. Yeah, south, yeah, North and south. south yeah. So, um, were you pretty excited about the move? And oh yeah, it was good because I was like first team. So. Yep. Um, and how was uh, how was uh, Mr. Shankly as a manager? Because obviously he then went on to have well, the career the that he had. But you how were, did you? How you did were you? the best player in the world. No matter what he said, he, he only signed the best players in the world. And you used to hear him talk, like on the bus, if you're travelling between games, and then he'd be talking to somebody, and he'd be talking about you, you know. <laughs> and, and he used to say, Bloody Black, we don't got a goalkeeper like him. You know, <laughs> I knew I could pick him. He knew you were listening because he said it purposely. So he had that sort of great man management skills. You were never beaten, you know. Never, uh, oh, he was. So it was wonderful to play under him, oh, yeah, and then great, just yeah. his style was that sort of positivity, really. Yeah. It was, uh, you were never beaten. You never, you know, you come in half time and he said, bloody, bloody, fancy being down to a team like this, bloody lot, nothing. You know, they haven't kicked the ball, oh, Jesus, you were getting beat. But he, you were never beaten with him. He so he, he knew how to motivate. Yeah. And and what about yourself? Um, how did you go in your own mind as um, a first team keeper with Workington? It was all right. Yeah. You did okay. Yeah. And then, but, but Bill left after a, a couple of seasons, and we got uh, a bloke called Norman Law, who was a, he used to manage Norwich. He played for Norwich. He used to whisper, go down with you. Completely different from Shankly. He would, before the, while he got, when he was getting stripped before the game, he'd come round and he'd be telling you what he wanted to do, but he was whispering in your ear. Right. (laughs) Norman, yeah. Then we got rid of him, we got, he he went, then Joe Harvey, who played for Newcastle, Captain Newcastle, when they won the cup. Oh, just while I remember. This film, a, a Troutman. Have you seen that? It's it's 
being released in next week, I think, probably. It's a film on Bert Chapman. The Manchester City, City goalkeeper. goalkeeper. And because he, he was a German, was he? German, yeah. It's, uh, it's called The Goalkeeper, I think. Okay. It. Look it up on the net because it's, it's, uh, they give it big reps. And I thought we'd go and get the young fella and we'd go and see it together. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, yeah. Um, That's right, by the way. <laughs> and just uh, why Wolf mentions that, um, we've got in his family, there's three generations of, of goalkeepers. So um, that's, that's why that remark uh, yeah. comes to mind as well. So you, you're nearing, well, end, now that we're yeah. talking about at the end of playing with Workington, so what was happening there to end your time at Workington? Well, I just the uh, new manager didn't like me. Yep. Joe Harvey, didn't get on well with him. Yep. And he signed another goalkeeper, and then, then at the end of the year, they gave me a, a free transfer. And what about, um, not that I like doing it generally, but just to... To give the listener a bit of an insight, um, when you were a professional footballer, was the money that you weren't enough to, to live off? Oh, yeah. Yep. Well... And what was it like compared to being, if you were just a fitter then? Well, a fitter would be earning, uh, what, £5 a week, £10 a week. You get £10. So only, it, went, it started off at £10 a, a week full-time and £2 for the win. Okay. When I signed full time, while I was playing part time, it was getting five pound yep. and uh, a couple of pound for win. So it was um, it good, was, well, good when, money for well, you think, but for what you were doing. When I signed in nineteen say forty seven, the wage weekly wage would be less than five pound a week. Yep. So you were getting ten pound a week. Uh, but it stayed at the pre-war level, uh, okay. where wages and going was going up elsewhere in the. Yeah. So eventually, it became it got up to twenty pound a week and two pound for a win, and uh, and then I said Johnny Johnny Haynes, he would think he was the first player that got the twenty. Twenty pound at Workington. Week. No, no, at, at, Fulham. He was, at Fulham. Johnny Hayes was international for England, and we had a, uh, and these floodlit games were coming. Uh, clubs were having uh, floodlits put in. The lights put in, yeah. And they were playing extra games, and they weren't getting any. And the players weren't, weren't getting, getting any the money. extra revenue. So after one of the cup finals, I forget. Which final it was, but we had a big meeting at soccer, soccer players in in London in Wembley after after the game. So was it like a players after union players union meeting or yeah. player association? And, uh, and they voted there not uh, to boycott these games unless they were paid for it. They were paid, and the first they were they were coming. They were big these floodlight games. Rolls was big at the time, and they were playing Moscow Dynamo. Wow! Uh, midweek, you know, and getting great crowds, and the players weren't getting any anything extra from money. that. So they had this meeting, and so player power stepped players. in, 
And uh, it was funny, Tommy Banks from Bolton, he got up and said, he had this many crying. Uh, he had everybody crying. How his, <laughs> how his mother battled and brought him up and all the rest of this very money. And afterwards, somebody said to him, Tommy, you, you, you parents had a chip shop. <laughs> he said, I know, he said, but he said, well, why did he go on all that? He said, oh, just to get him stirred up. <laughs> everybody was bloody crying about Tommy. <laughs> But, and, uh, and, it and, it, and it was... Um, and we got paid, we finally got... And what about, just generally speaking, um, from a society perspective, because everyone had come out of the Second World War, yeah. and and um, so during the 50s, was there, a, I guess, a sense of optimism amongst the community generally that things were getting back to normal? I don't know, really. Uh, or it didn't really affect you too much? No, well, I had a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dad we never hardly saw my dad. He was away again. He served in the first war under age, yep. and served in the second war over age. Put his age down, <laughs> and I hardly saw him during the war. In fact, he he came home from the war in bloody hell. I was at, and I was coming. I was going out and, like the weekend. Uh, I wouldn't get home. God knows what time we get home. Been out the dance and everything, and my mother wouldn't know what bloody what time I came home, <laughs> and he got the mob came home, and got uh, if I wasn't home at bloody ten o'clock, he was ringing the bloody police saying I'm bloody lost. <laughs> so and, it was a bit and, of a shock because he wanted me to succeed at soccer and be fit to and probably do what he wanted to but do himself. That's right. That was great. And what about um, at Workington? What were, who were some of the other? You know, you spoke about Bill Shankly and a, a couple of the other managers, but who were some of the other uh, players that you played with and that you can remember that you know you you worked with them and, and became good friends with? The fullback, the fullback I played with at Workington, I'd watched in the uh, 1945 Cup final. Jack Pitty played for Charlton. Oh wow! The, as if the full back. So did you mention to him that you'd seen him, him at the <laughs> at the final? But he told me to piss off because it meant see all soccer players are worried about their age, you know. Okay. You know, and uh, who else was there's was a little bloke who used to piss me off. He said, "Piss off." <laughs> because <laughs> you you were I, I showing admiration it. and respect, oh, but they know, didn't want to show their yeah. age. Oh yeah, yeah, that was it. Um, at Rochdale, that's the one. When it, my dad used to, when we came back before the war, we used to go and watch Blackburn. He'd take me to Blackburn, watch the Rovers, and then the following Saturday, we'd go to Preston and watch Preston. And at Blackburn, I had to crawl under the turnstile. Yep. But at Preston, you couldn't, because couldn't. the turnstile went right down to yeah. So he had to lift me over. And... Uh, Nobody bothered. He said, he said, wait while I get the dog over. Put, put, lift me up and put me over. And then he put me down on the ground where the track goes around. Yep. And I'd sit with all the other kids. And to get down there, often you had to go over the top of the heads of the crowd. They'd hang <laughs> you down. Right? You know, the crowd was all packed up on the banquet. And they'd hang you down over the, the heads. 
And then you sit there and wait till your dad come and pick you up after the game and it all gone. So I was at Rochdale and this Huey MacDonald. Preston had two MacDonalds, Huey MacDonald and Frankie MacDonald, two brothers, both Scottish international, playing at Preston. And uh, well, there I was, I was, I was at Rochdale, and there was Huey O'Donnell, there was a kid who Watch, you watch when you're growing up when you I used to say, Oh, you used to see you before that would piss off. <laughs> <laughs> Get away. And and then the last game of this I'd signed near the end of the season for Rochdale. And I hadn't, I hadn't played. I played in the reserves a couple of games, but they took me with the last game of the season. The, the manager said you'd come with us. First time, yeah. The bus and that, everything, and lunch on the way, dinner on the way back, and but it, it was at Rotherham. Yep. And Rotherham hadn't lost the game at home all season, and they they drew Rochdale drew, and, and we came off. The bus had a bloody hammer in his hand. Somebody had thrown a bloody hammer. How would you get the crap? <laughs> It was famous, notorious was Millmore for a bloody crowd disturbing. But anyway, they, t- but they took me with them, and this year O'Donnell was the tw- 12th man of his reserve. Yep. And he, he said, uh, How much are you getting? I said, What price is for today? I said, I'm not getting nothing. I'm an amateur. You know? And he was only worried about the the bonus, win bonus, draw bonus. And when he found out I was, I was only amateur and he didn't, hadn't signed professionally yet, he was quite relieved and I thought, shit, he's a bloody Huey there, Scottish International and he's worried about a you know, pound, a couple of pounds. <laughs> and uh, so his, my idol had cleats of pizza clay. I used to think the world of him when he was playing. Well, that's sometimes the uh, the risk when you when you meet your idols or, or people that you look up to or, or watch yeah. when you're growing up. So, was there any anyone else at Workington that you can remember and uh, the position they played in and, and the time that you had with them? Uh, was Keith Birkinshaw there? No, he came after. He was. I was there with, when when he came to play. I left the same season. We were in Dix together, Keith. Because he finished manager of Tottenham. Yeah. He thought, I think. So, um, at, at the end of your time at um, uh, Workington, um, time had just, like you said, the, the the Newcastle, former Newcastle player, Joe. Joe Harvey. Joe Harvey didn't like you? No, he got, I didn't. And you just didn't get on, and no. then you were given a free transfer. Yeah. So, um, is this about the time that that the potential plan to, to immigrate to Australia well, came about, or, or well, how did that how did that happen? Well, I, I got married. Yep. I got injured last the game I played. I did my knee, and I did come off, and I was getting married. A couple of, but there was a my prospective wife was 
working in London. Okay. And there was this place in London where that treated players, footballers. And I had this bloody leg, this knee. I could hardly walk. I went down. I went down to London and I went to this clinic. And they looked at it and uh, they, they, oh, they sorted it out a bit. And I got married and then I, I, I signed for um, what was Oxford United, which was King's, uh, not King's, uh, was, I forget the bloody name. But, but anyway, it's Oxford United. Yep. And uh, I was going to, by that time this summer, I'd agreed to go th with emigre. Been down to Australia, has got all the forms, filled them in, sent them away. And what, what brought about yourself and your wife? Um, was it about opportunities or was it about well, just having a different life? She was working at a school with an Australian woman who was over there for a while. But uh, I went to the Lords to watch the cricket. It was rained off, so I thought, bugging it. And I went down to Australia House. Yep. I said, I want to go somewhere where there's plenty sunshine. <laughs> so I came back. It was lunchtime. I went to the school where she was at. And I, got her out. I said, we're going to Australia. And she said, good. Great. So she was working with this Australian, and the Australian girl said, I'll sponsor you. So, so that was it. So I spent in the meantime... I signed for, uh, for Oxford. Oxford. I only played half a season because I left in January. Left Australia, so I played. But uh, one of the features there was we played against the South African touring team. And so I just played, I well, played with this uh, Reese. And he was a well known Welsh international these times. He was playing, but I played there for, and for half a season. Manager came to thank me for my for my services. I've been there, and I came to Australia. So uh, the other one that's just come to mind that I'd read about a, a few weeks ago with Workington was there a um, uh, did you uh, play in the game where um, Workington uh, played uh, Manchester United um, in a third round FA Cup yeah. match? And because um, that because the Workington's ground was Burrow Park. Burrow Park, yeah, no. no. Uh, Malcolm Millen's played in that game. That, that, so that, you you were on the bench then, yeah, or but, uh, that was the last game Manchester played before the before the disaster. Before the Busby Bays, uh, the Munich disaster. Yeah. So you were at the ground at that game, yeah. and then there was supposedly twenty odd thousand. Oh, it was packed. At the game because Manchester United were one of the. If oh, not funny the best enough, I played the manager, no, the coach. What was it? I can't remember his bloody name now. I was going home back to Blackburn for the weekend. We've been we played played at home, and I can't think of his bloody his name. He came to watch us. Yep. Because we've been drawn to play Manchester. And I was on the train going back to Blackburn, and, well, and I got the train at Carlisle to, to Preston. 
and he was on, and he came and said, come on, we'll go for dinner. So we went for dinner and was talking about it. And I said, what do you think of the team? He said, we'll send a red team to bloody win. So that's how much he thought of Workington. Wow. Send, send a bloody A team. <laughs> but the funny story there was the local photographer from the local paper. He was the only one behind the Manchester United goal. All the rest were behind working <laughs> in goal. But he told me after every photograph he took had Duncan Edwards on it. Well, Duncan Edwards just got killed in it. Yeah. But he was a tremendous player. He was a kid as well. But he said in every photograph, in defence or attack, Edwards was in the bloody photograph. So you didn't play in that match? No. But you were at the ground? Yeah. So was that yeah, the photograph, big... I've got a photograph somewhere. Was I that at the ground with Jimmy Fleming and me. And was that the biggest crowd that you saw at Burrow Park? Oh, yeah, by far. And... and and what about some of, before we talk about you com- coming to Australia and how you played some football here, what were some of the crowds like? Um, because it was mainly terracing back then yeah. compared oh, yeah. to what it is now. So there, it would have been very vocal. Well, the best one was, uh, I spent the reserves at Everton and uh, the... They gave me some stick. I had a jockey cap on. And they were giving me some stick behind the goal. That's my bloody hat. So at the end of the game, I turned around and threw it in the crowd. I said, take the bloody thing. <laughs> so I got a big cheer for that. But the biggest cheer I used to get was, when I got, was it? I always remember I was, had to do national service. Uh, after you finish your national service, you had to do two weeks a year in the camp training and and so that was for three years after you and I it was a bloody nuisance said I was down at Plymouth for the, and I got a message from the office to go in and say oh said you've got to go to you play they want you to play at Wolverhampton in the reserves yeah so it sets off on Friday they let me go Friday and got the train up and I was been playing silly buggers all week it was bugging and at Wolves the players come out at the bottom end yep. and we were defending the top end and at half time they're coming off and the crowd clapped me off I couldn't stop I couldn't even kick the bloody ball I stopped every bloody thing of it. And uh, that was a great moment, that, because I said, what's all that noise? He said, it's for you, you silly bugger. Because reserve size used to get fair crowds, at, and more especially being the top. Top team. Top team. That was a, a big moment for me being clapped off the bloody ground. Tear off. And when you were, I guess, coming out to Australia... Um, did you have it in your mind that your your football career finished, finished, finished yeah. and that you were, you know, seeking a new life out here with your wife? I was only come for two years. So it was only going to be two, two years, years, just ten, a bit of an adventure? Ten pound bomb. Yep. Yeah, bloody hell, I'm still here. So when you, um, 
where where did you originally come to when you you came? Back in uh, Wollongong, so Fig you tree, in Bellevue Road with with the uh, the woman was back by then, who who sponsored you? Sponsored, and uh, so as part of that sponsorship, she billeted yourself well, and your wife, just, or, she, or just out of kindness. She didn't have to, but she and but she. She was an alcoholic, which we didn't know at the time. <laughs> and uh, my wife said, get me out of here, because she used to get pissed. Weekend, she'd get a bottle of Bond 7, and Saturday she'd send me down with a bloody thing to get another one. So what were your uh, first thoughts of Australia in terms of, did you get a job quickly? Did it, oh, Was yeah, it easy enough to... Mix with people. Too bloody quick. I got a job. I didn't be. And where did you get a job at? At the steelworks. At the steelworks. Uh, no, no. I'm sorry. Look, that's what happened. Now you remember me. I the sponsor's husband was a chemist, John Robinson. He had a chemist shop in the in the Globe Arcade. Yep. And two blokes had, had gone in there, and he was talking. And he said, "Oh, I've got a I've got a goalkeeper." At home, he said, "Come for me." And they said, "Who?" And he, said, he didn't know what I did. Anyway, these two blokes came along. They came to, and they wanted to know about me and everything. And did I want to play for sign for Belgaoni? I said, oh, "Belgaoni, I'll sign for it." And Eric Ramsey said, "We'll get you." Eric Ramsey was one of them. Keith Nevin. Um, um, so two uh, Belgaoni committeemen yeah. of the time. It's, uh, yeah, and he said. We'll get you a job at, uh, at the as a boilermaker's lab because he was a boilermaker's. Fair enough. So he got me a job at Thurlow Mackenzie's down on near the harbour. Yep. And uh, that was a shock to the system. So I had to get up at six o'clock before get the get the bus from Fig Tree. Bottom of Fig Tree there, out to the to be up at six o'clock down there get the bloody bus well the next morning I missed the bus didn't I? so I didn't go into work so I went in the following Wednesday and the foreman said uh, where were you sir? I said oh I said I've slept in I missed the bus so I'd never been up that early <laughs> and he said well go up go up there and, and tell him you were sick up the office. I said, no, I said I wasn't sick. He said, just go and tell him you were sick. This is the foreman, man. <laughs> yeah. So I went up to the office, I went in, I said to the clerk, I was sick yesterday. Okay, he said, sign there. And so I was going to get paid for it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and uh, so on the Wednesday, that was a, then on the Thursday, the foreman came up again and he said, do you want to work back? I said, what's working back? He said, do you want to do the overtime? I said, I'm not doing no bloody overtime. No. He said, do the overtime. I said, oh, all right then. So then, knock off time, the normal time. They said, come on. I said, where are we going? We're going for dinner. So up to Port Kembley we went, up the street, in the pub. I thought, this is all right. 
and rubbed that butt down. I got a bloody ducky for, I think, about seven pounds or something. <laughs> a, a crib ducky. Didn't know. I said, that's right. He said, get your crib ducky. I said, what's a crib ducky? Never heard of a crib ducky. <laughs> oh, God, crib ducky. Got the money for... I thought, this is all right. I did day off work and I get paid. Bloody work all the time and get bloody tea. So oh, and that's it. What you had to do, you could... We didn't use the ducky. What you do, you use the ducky for you got bloody about half a dozen bo- lemonade bottles. Yep. And you took them home. Then when you drank me, you got the money back on it, didn't you? <laughs> so you, that you, reminds you that you're just early working. So you did uh, sort of uh, ease yourself positively into the Australian working Fair conditions. Yeah. And, and it was Eric Ramsey and Keith Mabry that... You got that facilitated yeah. the job and yeah. so was that in 58 that you got that job it would be yeah so yeah. did you that hard, and that was in the, right. near the new year january february or be earlier March, in the year March, yep. yeah. so did you then did they say well come down to bowgani sports oh, ground yeah, I to him, yeah. so, so when did you oh, first, that was when thing. did you first go to the ground uh went down for training and they had a German coach. I forget his name now, I can't remember. And they, they said, we've got a meeting on tonight after the training up at the club. So, so finished training, up we went to the club. So, so that would have been Mount Pleasant yeah, the, Social Club, the, which is now the Collegians. Which was his, another eye on me. <laughs> uh, they said, we got. He said, "I propose that we sack the coach." I said, "Sack the coach? This is a player." And votes on it. I all put the bloody hand, but I put my hand up. I never had the chance to vote the bloody <laughs> coach. And that's it. They voted to bloody sack the coach, the players. So this is your first training session yeah. in 1958 <laughs> at Bowgani, yeah. and yeah, you go to training, yeah. and then afterwards. You have a, meeting, a drink. You have meeting. a drink at Mount Pleasant Sports and Social Club, and the vote was by the players. And get rid of the court, which was and then they, completely opposite to you because you're being a professional. Yeah. Or fifty nine sixty was it? So yeah, it would be when I came. Oh. But he's, I got the years wrong. I don't know him. I probably the. Uh, it was just. I didn't get on well with that coach. I smoked at the time, and he gave me a lift home. He gave me a lift. And I set the cigarette, I took the cigarette. He said, you can't smoke in here. So I said, well, let me out then. I'll let you walk home. But didn't know. But I can't, I couldn't so get did over he, it. So did he end up getting sacked? Yeah. So he asked me to coach. He said, Keith maybe said, do you want? I said, bullshit, no, I don't. <laughs> you just saw what they did to... <laughs> yeah, to walk home. So how did, how did you find that, um, because Bowgani... I don't think they were in the top tier of the federation. Yes, they, were. they were at that time. So how did you, you know, you'd come from a professional setup over, you know, over yeah. a decade of being a professional footballer. How did you find um, Balgani and then um, I enjoyed Balgani. And then and then just the competition itself and the teams well, that you played against because was, there was a lot of post-war immigrants coming over as well. Prague was the, it was a, I think it was the first year of the federation. Yeah, there'd been a split. And yeah, 
and uh, they'd come. See, so they, they had these players that were on contract with the big Austrian clubs players, in Europe, but because they're in federation, they weren't they were playing outside that. Otherwise, they'd have had to pay a transfer, transfer fee. fee. And I, <coughs> I think that's why Australia, Australia ended up being banned for a few years oh, yeah, well, by FIFA or the. It was a bit chaotic because, like. Uh, Blackpool came out that year. Yeah. And uh, uh, the South American side, the Costa Rica, I think. Yeah. Was, and I was reserved for both of them. Reserved goalkeeper for both games. I'd only just arrived and they picked me, for, picked me as a bit of reserve. So they obviously had found out about your and, career uh, and in England. But really, the place was mostly Coromel yeah. and Balcani players. And they shouldn't have been playing again because you're up. But Hearts, no, it's Hearts again. Hearts okay. in Costa Rica. Hearts was in FIFA. Uh, okay. And then players shouldn't have been But it's Australian, nobody knew. <laughs> but, uh, so you, the, the strength of the competition was pretty good in your mind? I thought so. I, well, it wasn't bloody easy. Really, Prague was a good side. Yep. And then all these Austrian players. And, uh, and what about um, the Bowgowney Sports Ground as well? He'd had a sort of tin shed. Um, oh, you that know. was a bit rough, yeah. So h- how were the? How was the ground then? It was pretty pretty spartan. The ground was itself, it? the ground itself, but the surrounds weren't much. And that tin shed on the opposite side to the pavilion. Yep. But uh, it got crowded out with them Croatians and Yugos. When Yugo played or Croatia down here, they had a big following from the from the steelworks. Steel when they thought they were, Bill Perlis always tells a story. When he scored, and all against Croatia, and all the bloody crowd broke in, come on the field, and he thought that they were going to kill him. They wanted to kiss him because he scored. He scored against Yugo, <laughs> and there were Croatians booing. Following Balgani because they didn't want Yugo to win. Yeah. So who was that, Bill? Bill Polonis. Yeah. And what what are what are some of the um, some of the players you mentioned? Bill then, and he was obviously a striker and attacking yeah. player. Who were some of the other players that you played with? About Matt Walters. Yep. Bill McKinnon. And the, the only one I see now is uh, Alec Robinson. Yep. Alex, Alex's brother, uh, son, lives up there. I often see him. Same shopping anyway, Alec, in Woolworths, but... Uh, so was there any um, there was big, big games in those years that you that you remember? We played Prague down at the showground, and uh, Prague was like, and miles ahead of Balcani, and... Uh, but they, they beat us one nothing and a bastard to Mandel. He gra- I was going out to, for a cross and he grabbed my arm and uh, pulled me back and they scored from it. And the referee and linesman never saw it, they said. But, and I got the bloody cross too. We got beat 1-0. It was, it was some bloody special game. It wasn't a federation game. Like an Ampel, Ampel Cup game something or something like that? Uh, 
or could have been a, a Craven A. Um, there was a few, Craven A game a as well. Of, well. We played a few games down there. Miners, the miners there too. Yep. There was a, a, a soccer match for the when the miners picnic. And so, do you think um, Eric Ramsey, being part of the union movement, was sort of an yeah. organizer there of, of that game? He got something sorted. So, would you? Um, Every uh, apart from when you would play, um, was it still Coromel United that you'd? Would you play? Was yeah. that the only local derby that you played? Yeah, because because uh, South Coast United then, hadn't come come together yet, yeah. had they? It was Coromel then. They, they joined. Uh, they joined together with Winona. 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 Uh, oh well. Uh, when was that? It would have been Coromel United. It was... Because I think Coromel United were... They were in that 58 and they 50. won it. They won it, didn't they? The first, they were first pretty strong. Yeah, they might have been. I think. I haven't um, got the records on me. So well, did you remember the, the local derby? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Coromel. Oh, that was terrible. That. Uh, this bloke I worked at Phil McKenzie's with, I was his labourer, frankly. Forget his bloody name now. But all week, he'd, it was big caramel coming up. Yep. And all week, he kept on to me about how this centre forward had killed me. He said he kills goalkeepers. And he eats them up. And I said, all right, you know. <laughs> but he had me that stirred up, that he centre forward. And so we played, the crowd was a big crowd. It was. was this at Memorial Balgan, or Balgani? Yep. And so certainly on the ball comes through and I come out and pick it up and I look up and there's this block coming down, running down towards me and I could have stepped out. I thought, well, bugger, find out how good he is. So I just turned his shoulder and he ran straight full into me. And they carried him off and they were calling me murder and Christ all that. <laughs> and I felt sorry for him because it was, it was Keith Lima. Yep. Now, Keith, was a good player. Yeah. I have a lot of admiration afterwards because I then played, yeah. but I didn't know him from Boris Hall then but he just ran straight into the silly bugger so, so, so Keith was the killer that your workmate yeah, was talking yeah. about and he came off second best and I thought bloody hell oh, I, and I'm sure you had that quite a lot in your professional career there oh, where, yeah. where strikers were you know you, you were targeted and it was a lot different from goalkeepers in that era wasn't it First, first game for Workington, played at Darlington, and they had a centre forward, Davis, he was called, and he was notorious for dumping goalkeepers. And I sidestepped him, and he ran right in the post. How was that? Hit <laughs> <laughs> the post. I said, "Serves you bloody right, you silly bugger." But that Katie, Katie was a good player, and Carmel, I, I thought Carmel. It was a really good side, you know. Yeah, well, they, they were the team of, team of the 50s. Um, Teddy Orford in goal, buddy, with two full-backs. The half-back line was good. There's uh, Young, Bobby Bignall, yep. and Pete, Phil Peters. And that, Some big and names. Excellent, excellent defence. And they had Dookie Burns, who was a... Uh, well, Dookie was Dookie. I played with Dookie after, at South Coast, but... He, uh, 
they had no heart tears in really London. I thumped him and he was he never came in the bloody RF next after that. <laughs> very funny buggy. So and, Tom, and Teddy Drain Drain and yep. that, that column was a good side. I've no doubt about that. So they're still pretty vivid in the memory in terms yeah. of Yeah. But uh Bell Gowney not, not, might not have been as good a players, but they bloody stacks of heart the Bell Gowney players. And what about um were they you afterwards you'd drink at the Mount Pleasant Social Club if it was a home game yeah. is that right yeah, and so mean. so it was a pretty uh, like you said family oriented social up. club or was yeah. it pretty hectic in there after a few drinks well not really I don't know I don't, I, I don't remember any hectic times up in there in but it was good fun nonetheless they're a good, good mob of lads. And Bow and, and were playing in the black and white quarters yeah. at that time? Black and white, yeah. And then you as a goalkeeper, were you just in green or what colour were you in? I forget, that'd be green. Yep. Be green. I think we changed the jerseys when I was there. Yep. The players decided to play in the old black yep. shirt. And yeah. it had the numbers on the front maybe as well? can't remember on the back, they can't remember on the front. But the... I'm sure, I remember we, they checked the players decided they wanted a different strip. I think they got old black. So it was definitely a, a different um, way of of uh, behaving as a as a footballer oh, over here compared to where where you were. Oh yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. There was there was most there were more socialising with the Belgarni mob. Than you would. Is it professional? You, you just do your job. So uh, you had a couple of seasons there with Bow Gowney, yeah. and then um, how did you move to South Coast United? Come well, Jimmy, about? Jimmy Kelly came out. Okay. And uh, we got together. I played it. Jimmy played in that game. We played Blackpool. Working okay. And uh, anyway, he wanted. To Wanted me to come to Carnival. So, for the listener that, Coast, that doesn't yeah. doesn't realise, he was a, a big player back back Jimmy, in England, yeah, wasn't no, he? He's you know, he was. Player, yeah. You know, one of the top, top ten players top, in 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 the league. And he was top player in, in the first division of it, of yep. the English first division, and playing with the top ten. Because Black, Blackpool were like Black the Liverpool, Man United, or Barcelona yeah, yeah. of the fifties. Yeah, Stanley Matthews played for Stan Mortensen. But, uh, so he knew you, and then uh, well, gave you a call, did he? Well, I forget how we met. But he he wanted to sign me, but Belgiani wanted money, which I didn't agree with because they got me for nothing. I didn't see why they should want. It doesn't seem money. fair. So I was, at that time, I bought a block of land. And uh, I said, sell the bloody thing and we'll go home. So I, was, I said to Trevi, uh, not Trevi, somebody at Belgium, it might have been Ramsey or Katie, uh, uh, that I'm going home and there's the bloody thing, sold the bloody hat. So they thought they'd pull a fast one and let me go. Free to... South Coast, 
knowing that no I was going home, that I wasn't going home. So I signed my South calls. But it was uh, Jimmy was there. That day. They had amalgamated the year before, hadn't they? Yeah, with They'd Winuna. Coromel and Winuna had them. I was trying to think, uh, but where were Winuna were playing was. Winuna were at Balls Paddock. Yeah, Winuna was um, in the local. Yes. Coromel. It was Coromel in the. In federation. the federation. And then they amalgamated the became Coromel United. Yeah, um, Coromel United merged with, with Winuna in the Federation. Yeah. And then um, and then uh, they then became South Coast United. Yeah. And moved and out to Winuna. And changed the name eventually. They had two years uh, where they uh, merged with the, the Greek club Hellas. When they went and to... And were Wollongong Olympic in 64-65. There was... Um, they moved... When Debbie Charles. Yeah, that was uh, later on in the mid seventies. They'd yeah, um, yeah. they'd but merged Tom, with Safeway. That's right. And yeah. were Bowgani for one year, yeah. and then became Wollongong City Tricky. for two years. Yeah. With the likes of Hugh Tinney and. Well, I was involved with them then. Okay. But, but uh, anyway. We'll get to that. Um, yeah. Oh, jeez. So South Coast United, Jim Kelly, um, he. Um, from what Adrian Ringland said, that he brought a lot of professionalism oh, well, he did. He, and and a lot of interest in the game on the South Coast. Well, of course, he, he certainly revitalised that soccer. Because he was good at PR, Jimmy. Yep, because he had his own article in the Mercury and and um, got to he write. Became a, he became an insurance agent. And that didn't surprise you? No, because I got him the job. <laughs> by, by that time, I'd been at, left Steelworks. I went to Steelworks as a labourer. Uh, Phil McKenzie's a labourer, but I thought, look at this, I've got me fitter. So I went to the Steelworks as a fitter. And again, being a, a soccer player, the, su- the superintendent was a soccer fan and uh, got called get his bloody name now he's an old bastard he was but he was a Balgani fan so I, I got the job no problem <laughs> but he uh, so that, by that time I was working as a fitter and uh, where were we talking about how you got uh, Jim Kelly in insurance yeah well that's right but I also after I worked a bit at the steelworks for 12 months then I got a, a block at Balgowney, but called Rooney. He didn't play, he was a Scotsman. He, but he, lit, he followed Balgowney and he was an insurance agent for this insurance company. So I got a job with, with him for 18 months or so. That's pretty hopeless. But this, this block came down from Sydney, the manager for the insurance. And he said, Do you know anyone? Uh, who'd like a job. I said, there's only one bloke down here. He's Jimmy Kelly. <laughs> so I said, who's Jimmy Kelly? I told him. He said, well, tell him to come and see me. So I said to Jim, go and see this bloke. And so Jim went and got the job as representative of the region, region this insurance company. And then he, uh, well, he finished up 
as an insurance broker when he went back to England. And he was quite successful at his insurance business. So in that sort of uh, 62, 63, 64 seasons that you played with South Coast, um, they were pretty successful times. Mm. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And 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 um, were you part of the? They won the grand final. Were you part of the grand final yeah. team um, that that played Arpia yeah. up at up at the showground? No, uh, sports ground. Sports ground. My apologies. Right, it was. They shut the gates. Gates were closed. And and can you it's, still vaguely remember that game? Oh, I remember it because uh, we won quite easily. Because it was a pretty frenetic first half from South Coast and you put some goals on well, Jackie, uh, Johnny Brownley. He scored the opening goal, Johnny. And he, it, anyone else wouldn't have scored because Johnny didn't know what to do with it, so he just took a swipe and plays it in the back of the net. But there was a funny game about that was that Jackie Metty played for Alpia. Yep. And it was a bloody nuisance. And... I always call ref. I learnt long ago to call referees Mister. And Boscovich was the referee. And this Jacometic, a ball came in, and I got the ball, but he came at me. And as I stepped out of his way, I gave him the elbow, and he went in the back of the net. And I looked up, and I saw Boscovich. Shit. I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Boscovitz. He said, you're right, so don't worry about it. He said, uh, now get on with it. You both had a go, the pair of you. Finished, that's it. I, I was happy because he was in the back of the net. <laughs> but uh, that was a story. When I was at Blackburn, it's, it's time, it's like, it was Friday. You, you do your training, you'd only do half a dozen sprints. Yep. And you come in, sit around and get changed, sit around and get massaged, uh, and sit around and talk, wait for your the pay and team sheep going up at 12 o'clock. And I was, one day I was on Friday, the old old trainer, Jack Whittle, played for Portsmouth in the 1939 Cup final. And he he said, I never had any trouble referees. He said, you blokes always get... He said, I always called them mister. He said, and I thought, he said, I always got respect from them. Just say mister, so So we were playing, I forget we were playing next day, but when I looked at the, the programme, the referee was a mister, Glenn Denny. I remember that. So, out we go. And then something happened, and I bloody this Jackie Moody played for England, played for Blackpool and Derby. And he, I went to his feet, and he kicked me bloody hat off. I jumped when I saw his foot, and I jumped up and I grabbed him, and I went like that and looked over the shoulder, and there's the referee. I said, "I'm sorry, Mr. Glendenny." He said, "Don't worry, son." We all lose our heads now and again, you know, let's get on with the game. So that was it. So you always made that mental note so to call them mister. All of us call them mister. And they, and they responded. So, um, Instead of a basset. <laughs> and so that grand final, it was a, it was a big win. 
yeah. And um, yeah. huge, we, huge we, for we, the region. We finished third in the comp. Comp. Uh, and, we, and we had to play, because there'd been a draw of one of the finalists, we had to play the Wednesday night. A replay, yep. We played Prague on the Wednesday night. And that was a, a good win. And then Sunday we, we played Lady Up. But up here with league leaders, they, they finished. So they were the team to beat. And, yeah. and, so and 4-0, wasn't it? We just killed them. So there was over 30,000 at that game. Yeah. And, and did that sort of, uh, maybe not at the time because you are focused on the game, but looking back on it, did it bring back some of the memories of playing in England? Oh, yeah, well, it was a big, big, big occasion to me. And someone got lost at our time, didn't they? <laughs> Who was that? I <laughs> And uh, just for the listener, because it's audio here, uh, Wilf's uh, nodding towards his son. So, uh, Sean, you got lost in, in that game. He disappeared at half time. Only two. <laughs> and my wife had to, she couldn't, she was scared to death of giving an announcement, taking it to the announcement without hearing for it. And look at, anyway, she eventually found him, but he <laughs> disappeared, the bastard. <laughs> well, we can't blame him too much. He's only two. But that was, yeah, it was, and that was uh, for me too. Another it, it from leading off from that game, we came back to Winuna after the grand final. After the grand final, yep. And there was a book called Martin Royal, who was the ABC sports reporter, <coughs> and he was the doing it up at the, <coughs> the club, the old club. Yep. And he could hypnotise people, and he put these, put these. Half a dozen under. He used to go around and, and he'd hypnotise them. And then <coughs> um, he. Oh, Jesus, what's he called? This white woman. One of the, one of the uh, committee members' wife. Katie, I can't think of his second name. Anyway, he said, when you wake up, he said, you'll go and kiss the man you love. And she went up and kissed Terry Spurge. Kissed <laughs> <laughs> <a> bloody <laughs> But uh, so anyway, we uh, we had a good night. Come home to twelve o'clock. Next day, Monday, at work. And I saw Johnny Hobbs a few days later. And Johnny Hobbs was captain of Port Kembla rugby league. And they'd won the grand final, same day. And they'd been on the other piss to call that. And on the Monday, they, what they call the... Mad Monday. Mad yeah. Monday. Well, we never did that in soccer. Never heard of it. They do now, I believe, but yep. them days, they, most of us were from Europe. They didn't have, never heard of it, Mad Monday. And he said, where were you? Where we came? So we came down for a drink on Monday. So we're all people at work. Jeez, <laughs> you couldn't believe it. He came looking for us for, to have a drink with us. To catch up. Right there. So, uh, what is, about some of the other players? Uh, Adrian, <coughs> um, <coughs> the other players at South Coast, you know? Um, a good player, Adrian. He, um, he was very quick. He was fast. And he was a big man as well? Yeah. And he, he did he was, as he was told. I met him at play. 
best best player, Australian player I played with was Barry Solomon. Yep. And what made Barry good? He played, he excelled in three different positions for South Coast. And And that was unusual for the time? Well, it's easy to go, you know, it's not easy coming back than going forward. He came back from winger, finished West Pole back. But uh, he was another one, did as he's told. But it was, I like playing with Barry. I've got a lot of respect for him. And uh, as I said, he's, he, did, he excelled in three positions. And Should have played more for Australia. And then what about some other players that, that you can recall in the South Coast United team? Let's say, oh, Bernie Harris. Uh, Bernie, Bernie Harris was a winger. And most wingers, if you, if you thump them, Yep. You never see them again. But Bernie could knock him down and be up. He had a bit of ticker to him, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, and he didn't play in the grand final because he'd gone home. Okay. Who's he played in? Uh, Dennis Patterson. He was a, a young young Dennis then. Oh, and so Dennis was a, a skillful, skillful player. He was a nice player. Nice. He was nice on the ball, didn't he? And Maxie Tolson, Maxie was... Maxi played for Workington. I was over there in '66 for the World Cup, and Maxi—I didn't know Maxi was there. And I was at Workington, catching up with family and uh, wife's family, and uh, I was talking to who was the manager then? Must be Birkinshaw. He said, "Well, I'm going to play from Australia." Oh, he said, Tolson. I said, Christ. And then that morning I was walking up the road and Maxie was walking down, coming down the road. And he said, look at that. And he had this handful of money. And he said, I'll just see you. He played three games over Easter. Okay. And he got paid three bloody... It must have been on Max, Max. But he said, look at all that. <laughs> he was a good player, Maxie. I like Maxie. And, and what happened after uh, you finished at South Coast? Did you keep playing then, or yeah. you, you just finished up? No, Jimmy Kelly organised for me to go down to Melbourne and to play. Yeah, for Melbourne Hellas. Yep. So I went down on the Friday, stayed at the hotel, and. Uh, but then they shut up till two o'clock. They had the band, the dance. I couldn't sleep. And uh, when I played, and I wasn't very impressed. And I wasn't impressed with the captain. He was a bloody Greek. And he was a fullback, and he wanted to do everything in the in the air, you know. And then next week I went down, and. Uh, so you're working during the week and yeah, then just going down yeah. for games. And I wasn't training, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't very happy. They took me off at half time. They said, "Tell you're injured." So they paid me, and that was it. So, so you played it. a couple of games, and but went to the airport, and the airport's chock a block with people. Crowds. I thought, 
Jeez, I'm not that good. Come to watch me. And it was the Beatles were coming. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they, they were all there for the Beatles to, to arrive. Uh, well, again, uh, we're talking about uh, skiing in, so in Cyprus and now the Beatles. I, yeah. I didn't think we'd get that out of this interview. <laughs> so was, was that your last yeah. game with no, Mel? last game. Or did you uh, play a, anywhere as a as a just a registered footballer? Yeah, we. Or you did play elsewhere? Yeah, we. Uh, what was it? I wasn't playing. We, we we got a team. We went to Griffiths. Yep. Just a um, scratch team oh, of, yeah, of blokes that you knew. Just a local bloke. I think I forget who organised it. Might have been David. I don't. Know. Anyway. Got to uh, Wagga. We played at Wagga. Played the Air Force on Saturday. Yep. And then we went over to Griffith. It's the first time I've been to Griffith. And on the Sunday we played uh, their local team. And it was a big crowd there. I was surprised. And it was good. You know, and I kept saying to the referee, Oh, the bloody whistle. Let it finish. Oh, can't, can't. It's big day, the referee. He had his big game. And it's, it's so, we finished. And come off, went to the club. Went to the, the uh, Lowry, a Lowry club. Some Ugani. And this bloody, old, like, Mafia on the door. They won't let us in. We said we were soccer player. Oh, soccer player. Come, Come in. in. And uh, so that was the first time I'd had Riverina wine. God. <laughs> but that was a, nice a funny trip that. Playing the, uh, it was a crowd at the RAF game. Because uh, the local base is just, just uh, outside of Wagga there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I forget where the players who the players were and what was who, bit of fun who decided yeah well. did you ever um, once you finished up playing with South Coast United and then a couple of games for Melbourne Hellas did you ever um, uh, involve yourself in coaching or any committee stuff or it was pretty much after that you just worked family and, and then go to occasional games or would, would you continue watching South Coast Oh, wait, I'd go, yeah. I'd go and watch them. Was he right? Manager, I think, didn't you, weren't you managing something with David Childs? Oh, that was with Dave Childs. When, yeah. when, so Dave Childs yeah. is uh, oh, an, right. an administrator, is that's he? That's right. Uh, Graham Barnett came as a coach to South Coast. And... He said to me, come come and help me out. I want somebody on the line, you know. I said, all right. So I went down to team manager, you know. Yep. And that was very involved in that way. But then he went home. And uh, this David Charles and Bill Polonis was involved. So Bill, who you used to play with the bow game, <coughs> yeah. the striker, yep. <coughs> and we remained friends. And so I said, come down. So I went along and I was 
team manager again for Belgiano. That was with David Charles. So that and was pr- it, probably in the mid seventies before they to, went to Wollongong. They went to uh, the showground. Well, they played at the showground because he, he, who was the team? Middlesbrough came out. Yep. And uh, well, we were dealing with that with them. And but that played that was played at Bulls Paddock. Yes. Yeah. So I had a couple of years there with him, with well, Danny, but. He, t- I argued with him when he took took Belgauni to Wununa. Yep. I said, "You man, the Wollongong United." I said, that "There's al- there'll always be a Belgauni." I said, "Because he didn't, he took the name away." Yeah. I said, "Man," I said, and there was, wasn't there? Yep. Belgauni still there with that bloody thing. Yeah, that's. I said, "You're wasting your time," but he said he wanted something different. So he had a, a, a couple of different ideas in terms of how he wanted to do things. Yeah, it, well, he, he runs his big time. Like, it's Davey. But anyway, I had a couple of years there with that. It's like a team. And did you still like that involvement of being a team manager and being around right, players yeah. and whatnot? Yeah. I didn't really miss it or when I left it. When you, because um, originally you came out for two years, obviously you're still here. Um, <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, you obviously uh, enjoyed the lifestyle and, and the area, so um, there's well, no, no regrets there. I've a better you... life here than I would have back home, I think. I yep. think. Yep. I don't know. But uh, took it for, for the best. And what about um, in terms of your son and grandson? Um, I'm not sure of any other siblings or uh, any other children or whatnot. Um, How do you you see um, he played goalkeeper? He did it it on his own. I don't believe in pushing my very way. I'm maybe not happy with how the boys going with coaching. uh, I think the coaches... um, Different altogether from what I what I learned yep. from what they, what I see them teaching them now. Yep. And that Australian coach he's been there one well, but Fraser, is it Fraser? Yeah. And I fell out with him years ago. Because he, he was he was what I thought was wrong. He was he was teaching, coaching. But he But are you proud in that sense that they're they're playing the game oh and, and enjoying yeah, the game yeah, and, and yeah, they're in the same yeah, position as yourself? Yeah. I, uh, I'd, I'd like to do something with that bloody goalkeeping film. Like get there for free. <laughs> get the paper involved. All the goalkeepers from around the area. Uh, because it's got fantastic reviews. So the Manchester City keeper, what was his name? Bert Troutman. And so um, that was... That sort of era that you were, yeah. you were with Blackburn. Yeah. It was a, I never played against him, but he was, he was a prisoner of war. Yep. And uh, after the war, he stayed, won the cup final. Played in the cup, with a broken neck, got injured in the final, and he stayed on. He was a big German, blonde. I was, he used to get brutal hot, but he was a good goalkeeper. But they reckon this film's outstanding film. 
Well, is there anything else you'd like to add, Wilf? Uh, like I said, I, I really uh, greatly appreciate you letting me into your house on, on this Sunday and, and Sean as well. And I'll talk to Sean at another point in time to talk about his career um, and, and really uh, respect and, and appreciate your time. And, and thank you very much for, for talking to me. You're welcome. Thank you. You just leave the cheque. <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, transfer the money to uh, Sean later on. Oh, but good. appreciate it. <laughs> An extremely enjoyable interview with Wilf. I cannot wait to record my next interview and I hope you, the listener, will continue to join me. Thanks again to the listeners for your support and please keep listening. I'm your host Travis. Goodbye for now.